Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. On 1116 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. The Swarm's restoration continues to draw admiring glances, but last night's win comes at a price. One of the moments of the season, Buddy's 300th is on hold as injury strikes again. Why can't the Hawks score? Should Jeremy McGovern have been suspended? And what did this failure tell us about the Bombers? That's the on-fields, but it's the controversies of the week that have dominated the football discussion. At the time, I obviously didn't think about the bigger picture and, and the long-term consequences, I suppose. Um, impacting on the integrity of the game, I now realise is just not acceptable. What happened was leadership. What happens was conscience and what happened was I'm going to own my actions here. Now if anyone sees anything wrong with any of that please tell me. There is a short term consequence, a penalty and pain that will come from it. But long term, we're much better off because of the way it was handled. I think the behaviour of everyone in the industry is better than it was 20 years ago. It's a generational thing, but it requires a bit of leadership now. It requires no ambivalence from Gillan McLaughlin and no stepping back now. It appalls me to think that people can't come and be their, be themselves. And if that's happening, it will stop. I promise you that. But it will continue to be done and, and we'll still have the amount of security we can have there to make sure it's done in a safe way. I'm not going to be bloody driven into the ground by some sort of political correctness. I'm not going to change my views at all. The most difficult part was just how, you know, the, the, the Court of Public Appeal, did that get him more so than the Court of the Tribunal, in a sense, but we would have liked perhaps it to be a week, it's two weeks, we understand that that's, a, that's probably a pretty fair penalty. We will assess it all in the crunch, plus our headline guest, Melbourne Chief Executive Gary Pert, in the week the Demons overhauled the coaching setup mid-season. This is the round 14 edition of Crunch Time, for what H is the deal at Honda. Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers and head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. It's a brisk blue morning at the MCG in the heart of winter where Fremantle comes to try to further their finals cause against the Demons. Jared Waitley with you for Crunch Time. David King is with me. Good morning, Kingy. Morning, G. Morning, guys. Uh, another amazing night last night. It's the week that just keeps on giving, Jared. What a, what a season we've had. All sorts of controversy we're not expecting. And then Lance does his hamstring last night and... Sets back what would be the biggest of celebrations over the next seven days, which is a real shame. It's such a pity, and it runs off into another conversation, doesn't it? Is just how durable is Buddy right now? 
we should be talking positively about him and we're probably not going to. Kane Corns on board. Welcome, Kane. Oh, Jared and, and team, yeah, uh, just another brilliant uh, talking points to, to come out of that game. I'm really keen to talk about Hawthorne and where to now. I, I think, and we'll, we'll get into it in a moment, Jared. I think they're the side that I'm most worried about in terms of their future, and that's not a negative by any means, um, but we'll talk about that very, very shortly. But some concerning times with the Hawks and, and what's next for that amazing footy club. And Bob Murphy. Welcome, Bob. Hello, Jared. Hello, boys. Uh, yeah, great to be with you. Um, yeah, I, I'd set aside a fair chunk of time this week for, for the Buddy highlight, so. It's going to have to put that on delay, so keen to get into all those other topics. All right, it's it's impossible not to start with an admiring glance at the Swans. So they were one and six. John Longmire used every word but rebuild. He deliberately wouldn't use that word. Since then, they've won four out of six. They've had a close call against Collingwood, and they were more than credible down the highway against Geelong. They have uh, they've re-established themselves in a competition, Kingy, where it didn't seem that that was the path that they were on. Now, well, it did if you had a, cl- a really close look at it. I remember having this conversation with Ralphie a month ago when he's saying, we're two for the Swans and John Longmire, but they'd been pumping games into their one- to four-year players over the last three to four years. So they, they've haven't, they haven't hidden away and, and thought that their senior players were going to play forever. And, and I think if you have a close look at it, Smith's not there, Grundy's no longer there. And the, the, the slow handover, McVeigh, uh, there's, there's a handover going on right before your eyes if you look deep enough. And they had, I think, nine players under 50 games last night. And I'll tell you what, the, some of these names, Haywood, Florent, Alia, Dawson, Blakey, they're going to be stars. And that, that's not denigrating those that are probably 20 games in front of them. Papley, Mills, um, Zach Jones is showing some things that I wasn't quite sure on you know, a month or two ago. So I think if you look at the Swans, you can mount you can mount a core of that next wave already upon us. They get games into them, Kingy, but they get good games because even though they, they were they weren't winning early, they're they're always in they're always in games and when you bottom out, and I've seen it happen at the Bulldogs a couple of times, when you bottom out and you, the whole thing falls apart and you get belted, you go, oh, we're getting games into the kids. That, that actually does, that can, no. do, that can do more damage. You can actually lose a couple, and that's not what the Swans do. Kane, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I look at Sydney, and, and these, these two teams last night are polar opposites. I had this discussion with two Hawthorne legends. And last they're night. five and eight, both of them, which both just shows in footy. <laughs> Not everything is equal. No, it's not. And the only year that was any different in terms of their tracking over the last five, the Hawks dropped down by design. He said he was recalibrating in 2017. Not about winning games, trying to find some players. But you look at the way they've arrived here. Sydney have had the luxury of the academy. Now, you can't park that. Mm. That is that is a reality. Mm. First-round pick since 2014 has been Heaney, Mills, Florent, Ling we haven't seen much of yet at pick 14, and Blakey. So three yeah. of those five are academy selections. But I want to talk about their... their ability to find a couple deep. Lloyd was a rookie. Papley was a rookie. O'Rourdon was a rookie. Melican's a rookie. Dawson had picked 56. So they've been able to find those that are deep. And when they trade, Kane, they, they trade for a position. Got a hole here, get Thurlow. Got a hole here, get Ryan Clark. They don't wallow in the reserves. It's they play spot on. for it, a purpose. It's spot on. And, and this is why I'm so strong on not bringing in a, 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 pre, a mid-season draft and even you know a mid-season trade period because I, I just think the one advantage that you have, and I've spoken about it before, is the way that you build your list and getting a list manager and a recruiting team that can get the gems that you just spoke about. You didn't even mention Hayward Kingy, who was, I think he was a first-round draft pick from memory, but it was a late first-round pick. It was 15, 16, 17. He, he's going to be 21. a star. I love 
yeah, well, there you go. I love, I love watching. Florent at 11 and 21 yeah. was Haywood and Papley was the rookie that year. And, and 21's probably, what do you, probably 50%. You're going to get a 150, 200 game player at 21. So that they've got one there. So I, I think you're spot on. And I just to think to bring in a mid-season trade period does away with all the good work of these recruiting teams. I've had a look at their remaining games. I've probably got them, and who knows what this means, but winning about 12 games, I don't think they get there, particularly with Buddy, which we'll talk about. And not unless Sam Reid can do what he did a couple of weeks ago when he took those, you know, eight or nine contested marks and kick six. We saw nothing from Reid last night, and you thought, come on, come on, Sam. But, you know, five disposals didn't hit the scoreboard. So they're heavily reliant on him now. So in terms of what it means for the rest of the season, does it really matter if they finish 8th or ninth? I'm, I'm not sure, but I think the way that they're building is, you know, they've got every possibility to jump up again next year. Not so the Hawthorne Footy Club, who just I'm, before I'm you leave about. Sydney, Just yep. before you leave Sydney, there's still a couple of moments young Nick Blakey gives in that last quarter and you go, well, How you good know what? Was he? Maybe Reed's not the talking point. Mm. Maybe it's how quick can this guy come on? Because he's... He's he's a senior frame. He's he's a strong body. I know he looks he looks a little bit flimsy and a little bit weak at times, but he's wiry. He's like his old man. He's got he's got every bit of two hundred games stamped on him. An elite runner, and been been getting ready for AFL football for five or six years. He knew mm. this was coming. He's the best kid in the land at seventeen years of age. I think he's probably the next story now. And Agreed. yeah, well, you, how, yeah, absolutely. How many first-year players can stand at the top of the golf square and take a genuine contested mark? You know, there's, yeah. there's not many. Even the King Twins, we we haven't seen that from them. We, we we think they'll be able to do that, but there's 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 none that can do what he did when in in a pretty um, significant time of the game as well. Because Hawthorne were coming, and it wasn't just a it wasn't just easy for, for Sydney last night. And you think who's going to stand up? Is it going to be Reed? Well, no, nah, it's th- this young kid who takes a, a big. Mark of the week at the top of the goal squares and goes back and kicks it. So I, I don't know if he's going to be able to do this consistently this year for the rest of this year. But if you're looking at reordering the top ten and the talented kids coming through, I know he was an academy pick, but he's every bit going to be as good as anyone that was taken in the draft. He won't win the Rising Star, Jared. He won't. Right? Well, he might. No, we we if he's going to have to really hit the ground. So we think Sam Walsh is a lock. Yeah, but. He has the capacity in the back half of the season to continue to do that. I think he'll be the best player of this draft. So in five years' time, you'll say it was a really good batch, really good crew, you know. But, but I think the way he plays, he'll always be able to kick goals. He'll always be able to impact. Whereas midfielders, sometimes their possessions aren't worth as much as what, um, what the key posts are. Okay. Kane, are you going to take Kingy on there? I know you're a rosy guy. Yeah, who's I'm a massive. Be a better, who's going to be a better player, Blakey uh, or Rosie? I'm not That's prepared. To, yeah, it's a it's a good debate. I'm a I'm a big Rosie guy, so I'm going to stick I'm going to stick with him because I've just seen him do some things where I think the breakaway speed, the ability to kick five goals in a game already in in game number five or six against a good opponent, and then the potential to go in the midfield. So I. I think he's going to track along. It's big call, but the lines of you know Nat Fife or someone like that into the midfield, but. Blakey is, Blakey is. Blakey is. is <laughs> I've already said it. Rosie and there's people. The Blakey horns again. <laughs> and the next Nat Fife. Just put that one in yeah, there yeah. as well. So yeah, let, big, big call. Use your <laughs> less rosy disposition, if you would, Kane, and yep. give us your assessment of Hawthorne. 
Oh, it's concerning. Now, and once again, I say this because the Hawthorne fans get very, very grumpy when you're critical. But let, let's just call it as it see it. Four flags in 11 years. Every club, every supporter would take that almost in your lifetime. Jared, oh, probably probably not for you because you've been a bit sport with, with Geelong. But <laughs> if someone said to me, Port Adelaide to win four flags in the rest of your lifetime, put your hand up, done. I'm, that That's it. So an outstanding footy club. But where to now? They're the club that I'm most worried about in the competition because if you look at the younger players coming through under 20 you know where where are the under 20s now we know they haven't gone to the draft understand that there's you know there's the mid 20s guys who are going to be solid omira i don't think jaeger's been the player that they probably thought they were going to get he's a good solid midfielder but you know is he going to be a top 20 30 player in the game probably not at, at 24 25 years of age now impy's going to be a good player. He's going to play 200 games and has already played a lot of footy, so that's a tick. Sicily's definitely a tick. Warple is a tick, but he comes with his limitations, doesn't he? He's, you know, he's leading the midfield at 20 years of age, so doing a great job, but he's got some limitations in his game. And then Lewis, so, you know, who knows? He's not in the side at the moment, but uh, looks to have some potential. They haven't kicked 100 points since round 20 of 2018 and haven't won a final since 2015. What next for the Hawthorne Footy Club? We know they don't go to the draft. They haven't gone to the draft. They might get a free agent in them. It, it might be a Canelio or they might get a, a John O'Patton or someone like that. But how can they rebuild this list with a coach that doesn't want to rebuild the list? He told us three or four weeks ago, Jared, that I don't want to be mediocre. So that, that says to me, well, well, I don't want to drop down. I don't want to rebuild this list. But how can you go about getting back to being competitive with the, the, the lack of talent you've got coming through and the ageing players. They're the oldest list in the competition. They're the most experienced list in the competition. They've got seven or eight guys above 30, um, and there's a lack of trade bait. Now, we've spoken about Isaac Smith uh, with some interest there, but he's 30 years of age. Oh, I'll give you a second-round pick for Isaac Smith. That's not going to cut it. So I don't have the answers. All I know is that it's going to take some innovative thinking and left-out-of-the-box um, thinking to get this club back on the railroad tracks because right now it's pretty concerning. So do you think in the medium term they are going to be precisely what they say they won't be and that's mediocre? I think they'll be less than mediocre. I think from, from what I've seen, um, the, the inability to score, the fact that they're forced to play their best defender as a forward with little impact for the last couple of weeks. So they're concerned about the scoring. You know, Ruffy comes in and, um, you know, it's great to see him back in, but, you know, this will be Jared Roughhead's last year. Just just the lack of impact from so many players like last night, the, the players under 10 possessions. Piopolo, Bruce, where, where's Luke Bruce gone? He's had nine disposals and a goal. Oh, that's a poor night for Bruce. Sicily's had eight. Scully, I mean, we thought he was coming, but he had a poor night last night. Morrison and, and McAvoy all under 10 disposals last night. So there's just too many players having no impact. And there's just, you know, you go along to a Hawthorne game, what are you getting excited about? You know, Wingard's that guy, but he but he hasn't, hasn't been this year through injury, and we hope he gets back. But if I'm a Hawthorne supporter, what have you got to look forward to when you go along and watch this team play at the moment? What's your forecasting on Hawthorne, Kingy? I'm not as down as that. And I think Alistair has a great handle on where his team's at. Being mediocre is no good in the AFL competition, regardless of mm. what club you want to call it. Being stuck in that void from 6 to 12 is a complete disaster. You've got to be there short term. You've got to be jumping through it or jumping down, falling down, one, one, one way or the other. Look, Alistair's taken a, a clear decision to go for known products 
and and trade and make that first round pick tradable in an era where the draft was compromised. He was ahead of the game, and they scooped the pool. They won three flags. This is the cost of winning three flags. So the Hawthorne supporters saying, "Call us mediocre, call us poor. We don't we don't really care. We've had so much success. It doesn't matter." But to Alistair, he's look, not looking back anymore. He's, he hasn't got any rearview mirrors at home or in the car. He, he's, he's basically saying, where to now? I think if you put Mitchell and Wingard in this team, and, and that's what they are there for. I mean, they're injured at the moment, but you've got O'Meara, Sicily, Impey. Warple is going to be a very, very good AFL player. Mm. And then those other couple around the edges. It can come together quickly. Now, I know they had half a dozen players that are north of 30 years of age last night. I don't necessarily think that's a negative. That may, there may be two or three of those um, go at the end of the year. There may be a couple that are up for trade. We, we know that's always a, a high uh, chance with, with Alistair. I don't think the gaps are that big. I, I really don't, between winning and losing. I mean, Hawthorne smashed the Giants at the MCG here about a month ago. And you say, where does that come from? Gee, if we underestimated Hawthorne, they win games in the planning, blah, blah, blah. If they get Canelio or they get Patton at the end of the year, so they, they solve they solve some problems in one area of the ground, I don't, I don't see in three or four years why they couldn't be back to where they were four or five years ago. Canelio's a better player than Patton, obviously. But do you think, do you think the priorities, and Kane mentioned the left field option, do you think... Alistair would be looking at a forward, something to beef up that attack? Yeah, look, everyone's looking for something for nothing first. And if you can get a free agent, yeah. bang, cost you no draft impact at all. And, and that's, that's the number one priority now, which is crazy, but that's the system we live in. Um, so whoever's available as a key target forward, as a free agent, you are going for. That, that is the number one priority. Then, then you've got to make a decision how much of our young future do we give up? Now, if you're not a believer in waiting four or five years for a risk pick, let's be honest, they're all risk picks. If Hawthorne finish in the position they're in now and get pick five or six in the draft, it's a risk pick. As much as people want to say, oh, it's a lock for 200 games, that, no one's, mm. none of them are locks for 200 games. So if you can trade that pick for another star or the next two first-round picks for a Canelio, well, then you're starting to say, okay, we've got a pretty good midfield here. They can't win. They, they seriously cannot win a clearance or a contested possession in the middle of the ground. But Mitchell was that man last year. If you can bolster that somehow and get the game to the outside for Smith and Scully and these types, Henderson's having an all-Australian type year. It, it's not all broken. It can correct quite quickly. And then there's Lance Franklin out of last night. So the football world was ready to lord uh, a legend before our eyes in his 300th game next week. For the second time this season, he does a hamstring, so he's staring down time on the sidelines. Last year, he played under duress. He played 19 games. He was the All-Australian captain. This year, he's played um, so the limited. He had the four weeks out. He's played nine games. Um, He's 32, he's in his 15th season, so he's, he's probably not as old as I think people sort of immediately forecast last night. Right, mid-30s, is this, is this the first signs that the end is nigh? I'm not totally sure about that, but um, players who, once they tick over into 30, Bob, th- this conversation swirls around them and two hamstrings in a short period of time will do that. Yeah, and only a calf injury will sort of ratchet it up even further, but... <laughs> It's not, nothing causes injuries quite like injuries. And we, we, we heard last year about how his inability to train because of the heel. I can't help but wonder if, if that's if we're getting this year's injuries because of just his yeah. the soreness from last year and his inabil- inability to train. So that, 
that's the worry. He's, you know, he's, his best is still exquisite, still you know, brings people to the footy. But he is 32, so I, just, I wonder if the Swans all looked... You know, managing him just slightly different, whether he plays less games during the year. But he's still got he's still got plenty of life left in the tank. He's got three more seasons on his contract from here, Kane. Will, will he make it? Hard. I don't know if he'll make it to to the end of that. But we we probably never expected him to, did we? You know, when he when he first signed that nine year deal, we thought, oh, at some point, if they if they have to pay out the last year and he doesn't quite get there, then it's probably still a win for the Swans. I look at it a little bit like you, Jared, just from reading between the lines on, on your thoughts on it. I, I'm not one thinking this is the end because I've looked at some great players over the years and Robert Harvey's a, a great example. He had so many issues with his hamstrings probably you know, four, five, six years out from when he eventually retired and he still played 24 games in his, in, in his last year. So if Buddy's form line was dropping off and he was going along the lines of a, a Jared Roughhead or a Jordan Lewis or a Justin Westhoff at Port Adelaide who are above 30 and their form is dropping off, then I'd be concerned. But he kicked 23 goals from nine games this year. He kicked four goals last night. And you, you think he's, if he's got 75 games left of that contract, he still probably plays 40 at a high level. And um, without having a sports science background at all, what they need to decide what they do with him. Now, does he, if they can't push to the finals in the time that he's out with this latest hamstring, do they just put him on ice, get him a decent pre-season, and then, then who knows what he can produce next year. He's probably still capable of kicking 50 or 60 next year with a pre-season behind him. So that's the calls that they'll make. They've got to be really smart with him. And if they are, I still think they get at least 40 games at a high level out of Buddy. Yeah, I hope we don't get squeamish on, on him because he's on, such a great Jared. player in front of our eyes. Let's yeah. not get squeamish. What, what you're doing here, you're falling for the trap of comparing him with mere mortals. Yes. This guy <laughs> is not like anything we've seen. I think that's actually so, my point. Yeah. yeah. 75 games, he'll play 65 to 70 of them because that's what he always does. And he'll kick three and a half goals across the next three years in, in, on average in every one of those games, and you'll say, wow, do we re-sign this guy? The conversation in 18 months' time will be what value he was. You know, he probably nearly needs an extension. It'll we, be crazy, Jared. Yeah. Just, let's just relax. We want him to be our Tom Brady. He will let's be. just keep going and going and going. Will, this conversation was had about Gary Ablett 18 months ago. It was. Where to for Gary? There's no more informed half-forward in the competition mm. right now than Gary Ablett, and no one looks faster on the field than Gary Ablett. So things change incredibly quickly. Let's not crystal ball. This guy played, what, 69 games the last three years. That's a huge number off the back of no preparation. Mm. I was up there at the start of pre-season and, and just having a look at what he was doing. He, he'd just come back into full training. The difference that he makes to that group when he trains, I, I think fast-tracks these young players unbelievably. What he sees, how he kicks the ball, his his competitive juices. He doesn't just get through training; he dominates training. So, I, I, you know, as much as they can just hang on to this guy, it's a huge asset to the group. And I don't, I just don't think the two hours of a Saturday are what really. Uh, benefit the Swans. Okay, we're away on crunch time. In the commentary box coming up, Gary Pertz, the Chief Executive of Melbourne, will be our guest. This is crunch time. Know what the H are getting. Search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. 
Jared Whitney, Kane Corns, David King and Bob Murphy with you. We are at the MCG where Melbourne's about to resume its season. It has been far less than what they would have forecasted alone, all of us from the outside. They're in 16th place. They're 3-9. and nine. They've overhauled the coaching department mid-season as they've used the bye to some effect. Let's find out why and how and what comes next with the Chief Executive, Gary Pert. Gary, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks, Jared. Whose idea was it to overhaul the coaching department mid-season? Oh, it was something we'd always planned to do. I don't think we expected to be... Well, I know we don't expect it to be in this position from a win-loss ratio, but we're always going to review it. And I think because of um, the lack of performance in key areas of the ground, more needed to be done. So um, got feedback from the players, from the coaches, from all the footy staff... You know, and it was a pretty simple thing. What do we need to do in the last 10 games to improve and get the best out of the season? So uh, that straightened everyone up. The players were asked to, um, you know, what are they going to do differently? And it was important that then the whole footy pro- uh, program jumped on board. So this obviously wouldn't have happened if you were 9-3. and three. The conversation would have been at the end of the year. So have oh, you Not done... really. I think most clubs would use this opportunity to review it and go, do we need to make tweaks? Now, if we're in the top four, we're probably making subtle changes and we're not even talking about it because you wouldn't know. Um, but because of where we're at and, and things haven't been working, we've had challenges that we could never have thought of. You know, to, to have the amount of injuries and injuries to key players has really thrown the whole dynamic of the team because we've needed to pull players out of our VFL playing positions sometimes that uh, we weren't setting them for and that sometimes throws the dynamic of what plays out on the ground and that then affects the coaching. So um, all the changes we've made have been in a direct response to that. What do you want from the back part of the season? Um, We want to see the team start to play the Melbourne way. That's that's what they call it. There, there is a style of play that Goody has set. We've spent all pre-season doing it. Um, you, you wouldn't have seen it too often, if at all, for four quarters this year, and we've really struggled to do that. Um, but that's what the commitment is. And, and so the restructuring, bringing Jade Rawlings into the forward line coaching position. He's a seasoned coach. He's highly respected by the players. He's very disciplined. Um, and we think he's going to be the key driver of that. We've been putting the ball into the forward line enough, not converting, and and when we've had chances to kick goals, our our efficiency's been quite poor. Make that change. In the back half, um, we've got a situation again where through injuries to key players in that position, we've rotated so many players through. Like The the back line hasn't been consistent for two weeks in a row, and uh, you know any coach will tell you that's where you want stability, and we just haven't had it. So it really has been a challenge every week. Did you run these reviews? How active were you in that? No, no, no. So I, I'm involved in the conversations and as they roll out, but uh, Josh Marnie and, and Goody himself and all the... It, it's not one central point it's really all the coaches getting together taking the feedback it's a series of meetings but you know a lot of it's in group sessions where we sit there and we discuss it and debate it and um, negotiate those uh, positions so it's not a one-off person driving all these elements you were the fresh eyes coming in this year um could you see hitting the season with the pre-season that had been had that there were cautions there were alarm bells all over this so the football department presented to myself and the board before the season started that we would have a difficult and potentially slow start to the year because we had so many operations we had key players including our two captains basically not have a pre-season and and get in you know a couple of half games in the vfl and and we're going to get their match fitness in the first games of the year 
Um, and, and again, we were going to have to uh, restructure. So we knew we were going to have a slow start, but then what we were planning was we'd get those injured players back and we'd build the momentum, and we've seen that with other teams like West Coast and others. Um, and that was how we thought it would unfold. But uh, we've literally been in a situation where we'll get two players back and lose two or three in the same game. And, and that has continually... I've sat in team selection and we have this long list on one side of the board of unavailable players and you're trying to put together teams to play the Geelongs and the Collingwoods and the West Coast. It's, it's been a challenge. So when you measure up what was foreseeable, what is unfortunate and what is unacceptable, how do you find the balance in your three and nine? Yeah, so um, it, it's very disappointing um, to, to be at this win-loss ratio. But I, I think it's as much if you were to ask the coaches, it's about how we've played the game. And so we've seen so many times, including games like against West Coast and Adelaide, where statistically we've won the game, but we haven't been able to get the score on the scoreboard to get the four points. They're the things that we're going, you know, yes, we've got some players that are sitting in the grandstand and not out there playing, but we have been in positions, if we played our style of football and, um, you know, converted when we had it in the forward line, we, we'd certainly be in a position where the last 10 games could put us into the finals. And that that's what we were expecting. Gary Pert, the Melbourne Chief Executive, Kane Corns. So you did identify that you were probably in the uh, window to win or push towards the flag last year with the way that you recruited. Gary, did you, do you still believe that? And will you go down that path of bringing experienced players into your group at the end of this season? Yeah, OK. Well, I've never been involved in a conversation with the coaches where we've been talking about um, premiership window or we're in a position to win premiership. I, I think most of the teams sort of go, where's the list at? Where are our deficiencies? What's going to make the difference? Just to put us up into that um, realm of the top four, top six teams. And then, you know, you, you need to play the season out from there. I think there was probably a lot more talk outside the club about this is going to be the year we win the premiership. But there was a lot of talk, and, and I still support this, is when you look at our list... We've got our key players, our really talented players in that 22 to 25-year-old bracket. They're, they're going to be playing and playing together for the next five or six years. One thing that I did identify when I took on the role, and I said this to the board and I've said this publicly, the thing that's going to grow our football department and, and improve the performance is you look at the best teams, the teams that win premierships, they've played a lot of footy together and we're seeing that with the Collingwoods, for example, at the moment. These young players, now they've played their 50, 60, 70 games together and there's a real consistency. Um, we've still, our team's not at that stage. We're still adding to the mix with the Stephen Mays and the Jake Leavers who now have got a sort of combined um, uh, playing with that back line of, you know, under five or six games, that's that's something that's going to be great for the future. But uh, um, we, we wouldn't see ourselves at a maturity level of some of the other clubs that are sitting at the top of the ladder now. If you didn't see yourself there, though, it's unlikely that you would trade away two first-round draft picks for Lever and pick six for no, May. I, I, so, I, so you I, must have believed that you were right in amongst it. Otherwise, you'd go to what was described as the best draft in 15 I, years with yeah, that pick Look, six. I think we would all say that we've got a list that's capable over the next um, four to five years of being right up there. Um, I, I suppose the thing that I pull up is this um, sort of conversation of you guys must have thought that you were going to be um, in the realm of winning premierships. That's, it's sort of just not a conversation that plays out at clubs. They don't really 
um, have that conversation. It's more about we need to be up in the top four. We need to be getting a list, playing a style of football that's going to hold up in the finals and be capable um, when it's at its best and we've got all our players in to be knocking over the best teams. And, you know, I, I think we're in that um, window. Mm. Uh, you would have uh, had a look at your list as well in the mid-season break and identified some weaknesses. Where do you see those weaknesses and, and what do you need to bolster potentially at the end of this year? Well, I think the obvious one when you look at us statistically is that we actually need to have key forwards that are going to consistently be dangerous every week, kick goals and put pressure on the scoreboard because... Um, you know, the, the games, even the ones that we haven't won and we haven't played the perfect style, we, you look at how many times we're putting it into the forward line, we're certainly giving ourselves a chance. But to actually have a forward line that can d- deliver consistently, and, and as I said, we, we need to have a back line in those key positions that is playing 20, 30, 40 games together consistently. They can predict how each other plays, and we're still formulating that uh, group at the moment. Purdy, I'm a big believer that you get success through your people, through maximising your players and your staff. It's a whole club thing. It's a full club thing when you win premierships or have any sort of success. Do you think it's fair the way that you've treated Brendan McCartney? It's almost like you've apportioned blame on Brendan. He's been mentioned two or three times over the last 18 months, has moved to the bench, out of the box, all this sort of stuff, and now he's out of the role totally at a point where the club's struggling do you think that that's the way you respect the, your, the people that have attached themselves to try and bring this club some success? Do you think that's fair? Um, oh, first of all, I want to agree with what you've said about the fact that clubs win premierships and, and do well. It is the combination of all the people right across the club. When you look at uh, Brendan McCartney, is internally, I've only heard positive things about him. In the restructure, so I'm reading the paper over the last couple of days and I'm hearing it on the radio about there being issues with Goody and, uh, and Macca. Macca totally denies that good Goody totally He's been denies moved, it. Whatever way but, you look at it, yeah, whoever writes it or reads it or says it, whether it's or, internal yeah, or not. Seven or eight of the coaches have changed their roles, including Goody. There wouldn't be a coach there that hasn't changed their role. And all of them have happily said, here's the feedback, tell me what I need to do for the next 10 weeks to get the best out of this time. Now, Macca will be playing exactly the same role game day. He'll be down on the bench working with Goody and the other coaches exactly how he does it. The role he's taken on, the feedback was this alignment between the VFL and AFL program and the mentoring of the coaches and key players because we're needing to bring more of our VFL players into the AFL team because of the injuries. And who's going to create that alignment? And Macca was the one identified for the perfect person to do it because he is the great mentor of coaches and players. And again, I can tell you now, regardless of what you read, the conversation was literally, these are the things we need to do as a coaching group. Macca, we need to do that role. And he's like, tell me what I need to do. Couldn't you do that without it being so public? I mean, I I just feel like you've thrown one person to the one or two people, but mainly Macca, to the wolves by saying, we're moving him out. If he's still performing the similar functions and slight variations to a role, why does this change need to become so public? Well... One is, I think it's important from a transparency point of view that if we are making changes... To the the fans. Well, no, no, no. We need to be transparent internally. We need to be transparent to our supporters. We need to be transparent to everyone. And if we're not, it'll get out and be exposed and then you're paying sort of catch-up on it. 
Because in some ways what you're saying is it's a bad thing. If you were chatting to Mackinac, and I've spoken to him and the coaches, this is a positive thing. The players and the coaches are going, this is, this is great. We've reset ourselves for the next 10 weeks. We're going to really maximise this outcome. And the only negative comments that I've heard, I, I, I can honestly say to you, internally I haven't heard a single uh, negative comment about Macca or from Macca. It's, it, there is people outside the club saying, this is what's actually happening and that's a bad thing. That's not being said internally. And like I said, it's not a change to one person's role. Every single coach, including Goody, has had a change and, and a response to the feedback that we got. Players are creatures of habit by nature. How, how, have, how have this playing group reacted to the, to the, the restructuring? Yeah, so um, keeping in mind that the changes are in response to their feedback, so they're actually looking forward to it. But it's not all just about the coaches. This is about the fact that the players have sat down and looked at it too and the leadership group and said, what do we need to do to get the best out of the last 10 weeks? It's been a whole football program commitment um, and that's energised them, you know, like... The, the process has been really good. Now, I hope we see it out on the field, but definitely across the board, we feel like we've had the opportunity and taken it to ask the right questions, make the changes, and, uh, and, and we'll see what plays out today. Do you think the player leadership group or the co-captaincy, do you think that will be restructured at the end of the year? Oh, look, we're not talking about anything to do with the end of the year because I think we've got enough on our plate right at the moment. So we are lit, all our conversations are about the next 10 games and, and we are trying to get the most out of it. You could argue that some of the things that we're looking at on field and with the coaches and with the whole footy program are ways of sort of going, all right, how might this look into the future in terms of the momentum that we build and roll into next year? Um, but conversations like you're bringing up about captaincies and things like that are there for way down the track. Purdy, the game's got a problem with gambling at the moment. want to know what your assessment is of, of the playing group and what percentage, give us a ballpark figure, of the Melbourne playing group would be involved in gambling? Well, I think we've sort of got to see it. I think right across the board, it's, I think it's a challenge for young men that have got money, they've got time, and they're in environments where this is seen as a fun entertainment. And uh, to most of them, that's exactly what it'll be. Um, but when we see the... And I suppose the CEOs and the clubs have had a lot of education over the years of how gambling can roll out into the industry and compromise the integrity so it's certainly not an area I have any interest or uh, I don't get it I don't I, I don't understand why people do you would have a handle on the group though what, what percentage would be involved yeah there would be a small group at, at the club that do it very socially and they're very conscious of the education but when you look at the sort of the higher level picture when you look at sport globally the way that gambling players officials people around the club who have got themselves into trouble and keep in mind only that needs to take one person in that situation and all of a sudden the integrity of sports let alone clubs can be compromised and then what happens even if it's only one person people lose trust in the sport so um, when the AFL takes a hard line on these things I 100% support that is there more that needs to be done um, I think ju it's just education, education, education. I, I, 
it's one of those things you can't say it enough time. When we hear from a young player say, yeah, I did this and it was on my mind, but I wasn't thinking so much about the consequences, uh, it just keeps on reinforcing to you. But it's not only players because the whole betting and the gambling side, anyone that is, has access to information that can compromise um, the industry and give it to people that use it in the wrong way, we've we just got to keep that in mind that... This, this sport, we're not like horse racing or greyhounds that was built for gambling. Mm. Football was built for it's just evolved. the sport. Yeah. Has so many people involved accessing so much confidential information. Do, do we need an amnesty? Um, look, I need to be convinced that that's what it's going to have value and it's going to help uh, clean things up. But uh, my, my approach has always been constant education um, and nearly more forceful education of this is what can happen in these situations. So um, it, it, whether a player gets a fine or misses a few games, I think is completely underselling what happens when this goes, worst case scenario. Gary, thanks for stopping by. Great, thanks, guys. Hey, Gary Pert, the Chief Executive of the Melbourne Football Club. This is Crunch Time. Know what the H you're getting. Search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning Crunch Time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. So a chance to talk with Gary Pert there as Melbourne's done its review. It did its end of season review in the middle of the year. That, that's the only way to view, whether you want to call it that or not, Yeah, is they... Smart. Yeah. But that's smart, isn't it? Trying to get some perspective on the last, or trying to get something productive out of the back half of the season, acknowledging that the first half has been a disaster. Yeah. And that I think that's wise to do that. I'd love your thoughts, Kane, and how that would sit with the playing group. I mean, when you, when you do create a little bit of trauma, or I think you called it during the break, Bob... That sometimes can permeate through the through the whole playing unit. Oh, geez, we're, we're assessing this. We're and moving all, coaches. It always permeates. Yeah, yeah. You, you're not you're not blind of these things. You can see them, can't the, you? The, the leaders and the sorry to cut jump right. in there, Kane, but the, uh, the the leadership group and the, the and the players who've been there for a long time, they would be they would really feel it. They would know it. They'd be in the conversations. But the, to the youngest player on the list, you you would feel it. There would be there would be a there would be a, an unnerving tension, I reckon, in the in the corridors of the demons at the moment. I agree with all that. I, I guess you, you feel for people who's, you know, they'd be questioning their jobs at the halfway point of the season and, and where to next. We know that they've spoken to Darren Burgess, who's the high-performance manager who's leaving Arsenal, who's been to Port Adelaide, and um, they've spoken to him. So what does that mean for the fitness department? There's probably 10 guys at the club in that area, so that could be completely overhauled. So I guess you, you feel a little bit for those people who are looking over their shoulder right now, questioning, you know, do I have a job next year? Where will I be? And, and what should I start doing? So it is uneasy, and, and footy clubs can be the most brutal environment of any workplace. I think we have to go a bit deeper than that. So basically what you're doing is telling the players, we've got your fitness program wrong. If we're moving past what we've got, we clearly think that that's not adequate. It's not. It's not cutting edge. It's not world's best practice. Well, it, well, it failed. It failed. But, and they knew coming into the season that it had failed. And then you're moving. You, all of your coaches have been moved. All of them have had adjustments. Not not one or two. Yeah. All of them have been told. So that failed. So the coaching, by their own admission, isn't a one. So if you're a player, you sit back on. 
did we make a prelim last yeah, year? What, you, what's, wouldn't you just be sort of looking at how, how did it get to this? What, and the recruiting failed. The list, the list management's failed as well. Well, you know, you, you judge that long term, don't you? But if you're looking at Lever and May in particular, the, the fact that they've let Hogan go, they're relying on McDonald as a Ford, Wiedemann's on a Ford, those two haven't worked. So they've clearly got that wrong. I know they had some injuries, which clearly... You know, every club gets, and they've had more so more than the others. But part of that is is some of their own doing. So there's three massive areas that you've just spoken about that have completely failed, and they're going to have to address. So wh- what do they do now with the list? They're, they're that far down the fact of well, we're in this. So do they go after another forward in the off season? Because they don't have one right now. So I'm fascinated to see what they do at trade at draft period and what goes on there as well. And above all that, and I'm going to bang on about this, your people are your asset, whether they're players or their coaches or their recruiting staff or their admin. Volunteers. Volunteers. Whatever area of the club that they're channeling their energy, for for the cause of the group, you don't treat Brendan McCartley like that. You just don't. Okay, we'll pick up this conversation. The Swans co-captain Josh Kennedy is going to join us and we'll run an eye over all the issues from the week coming up next on Crunch Time for Honda and for Subway. The award-winning Crunch Time. What the age is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Winners so far this weekend. West Coast has beaten Essendon and last night the Sydney Swans beat Hawthorne. There are rich topics of discussion on crunch time, plus all that happened throughout the week. Oh, I've got that rolling back to me. The, ga- the gambling suspension, the broader issues, crowd behaviour, security, Gill's leadership, Jeff Kennett's indiscretion, the trade talk, Alan Richardson's future... It is all on the table as we work through crunch time. Know what the H you're getting. Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns, David King and Bob Murphy with you this Saturday afternoon. And at the another Jared. Yes, yeah. yes. Two invoices this Saturday. Two invoices. God, strong. We'll go broke. Um, <laughs> we'll do our, your rates, Jared. We're in all sorts. <laughs> we'll do our takeaways here around Melbourne and around what took place last night. Josh Kennedy, the Swans captain, is about to join us as well. Maybe just a bit more on the Melbourne conversation that we've been having. Gary Pert was in here. It's clear at the halfway mark they did the review, the sort of review that would be typical at the end of the year. They've acted at least in part for now. The question of what happens next. So, Bob, your question is sitting there going, how did we make the prelim? Yeah, I, I can imagine. Particularly the older players. Of, weren't, weren't we in the campaign of having this big tilt at it? And, the, you know, the, the crowd noise of the final against Hawthorne here, the victory still ringing in their ears and then all of a sudden going, hang on, are we in trauma? How did, that, how did this happen? And now what happens for the rest? Are we reloading for next year or... Or are things about to fall apart really badly? So the question of what's in the back 10 rounds, it feels like there's a whole lot. Here was Gary Pert's view. We want to see 
the team start to play the Melbourne way. That's that's what they call it. There, there is a style of play that Goody has set. We've spent all pre-season doing it. Um, you, you wouldn't have seen it too often, if at all, for four quarters this year, and we've really struggled to do that. Um, but that's what the commitment is. And, and so the restructuring, bringing Jade Rawlings into the forward line coaching position. He's a seasoned coach. He's highly respected by the players. He's very disciplined. Um, and we think he's going to be the key driver of that. We've been putting the ball into the forward line enough, not converting, and, and when we've had chances to kick goals, our, our efficiency's been quite poor. Make that change. In the back half, um, we've got a situation again where through injuries to key players in that position, we've rotated so many players through. Like The, the back line hasn't been consistent for two weeks in a row, and uh, you know any coach will tell you that's where you want stability, and we just haven't had it. So it really has been a challenge every week want to make the finals. So they didn't create the mess, they were in a mess. I feel like Melbourne are here because they've done they haven't really nailed every opportunity. They get ahead of themselves very quickly. For Stephen May to be in the position at the start of pre-season that he was in that, that sort of snuck under our guard until all of a sudden it's too late to retrieve him from the physical condition he's in. Every step's had, had speed humps and that's my biggest concern Kane is that they've got to this point on the back of their own decisions. Mm. And uh, cool? yeah, I think I, I think you you were pretty strong so. on it as so well. I'm really interested in what comes next. So mm. it feels like there's a lot loaded into this back ten rounds. So if they go seven and three, they hit the end of the season and go, yeah, we have picked up our journey. Yeah, our journey was we were preliminary final. If they go two and eight, Oof. like the, the decision is where the hell are we? Is a really big decision. So I, the, the proactive review. I think you don't burn games. So they're not burning the back half of the season. They take proactive steps to right themselves. It needs to right them. Yeah, you can't, you can't waste There's these a games. lot sitting on the back end of this year. And it's a big burn. You're talking about 10 rounds of footy. It's a, it's a, it's a dead set um, fire. So when you, when you look at, you've got Fremantle at the MCG, Brisbane at the Gabba, Carlton at the G, Western Bulldogs at Marvel, tough one West Coast Eagles at, at TIO, Traeger Park, and then St Kilda at Marvel. So the draw's okay for them. The, the draw gives them opportunity, Bob, to actually right the ship a little bit and actually bring some confidence back into this group because right now, if I'm a player, I'm thinking, what's going on? I, I know, I know it's, it's, we talk about the win-loss. I just, uh, these decisions, these collective decisions, it feels like it's going to be big, big win or big, big loss. If there's rivers of discontent trickling in amongst staff and players at this point, that's when you can get some really odd results and some beltings because it's, it's a funny headspace to be in, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Got, got to you. Everyone's got their own little committee, Jared. their own little pseudo-match committee, if you like. Got a few guys to knock around with. The big man who travels by train that's never seen a train. You've got uh, the concrete of the hitman, the Melbourne supporter who's a wolfie. He's had a tough campaign. Every week they break down their teams like they know their teams inside and out. You've never seen a more disappointed Melbourne supporter than, than this guy. And I think that the Melbourne fans are really hurting with this. They've been, a, they've been an average football club at best for a long time. And, and this, was their, this was the rising of the demons. So for it to, to, to dissipate so quickly is, is amazing, really. I mean, I think I tip them to win the flag. Of what we saw last year with the innovation around this group, with the youngsters coming on, they've, they've been a shell. This hasn't been just losing a bit of form. This, this, is, 
This is poles apart with the form line of 2018 versus 2019. I, I can't believe that we're even talking about them today being underdogs to the Fremantle Football Club on their home dunghill. I, I just can't believe where they're at. They are the enduring mystery of the season and, and they remain the most active watch as it unfolds from here. So let's get into the crunch for Scooty. A Scooty two-wheel taxi leave boredom behind. The gambling suspension, so with a, a couple of days to absorb it. So the narrow before the broad. The narrow is Jaden Stevenson serves 10 weeks of 22. He's back for the final series. What's our overall assessment? I, I, my initial thought, and it's still a thought, that I, I think it's a, I think it's pretty harsh. I, I'm sort of can't help but wonder what what would the penalty have been if the AFL had discovered it and not and hadn't been handed. It would have been it would have been monstrous. Monstrous. I just think a young kid. He's it doesn't seem to be anything more malicious than just a young naive kid who's made a really really dumb decision. I've got no problem with people making mistakes. Absolutely none. And, and we'll all make them. I, I really love the fact that it gives us a chance to, to, to forgive him by coming forward and saying, I, I've made a mistake. Put my hand in the air, 20-year-old kid. What, it doesn't matter how old they are. People make mistakes at any age. It doesn't matter. But when they say, this is what I've done, I apologise, whack me, I'll accept what you, the, what you set down in front of me, I'll commit to the task and I'll make myself a better person from here. I, I really think that's admirable. And that's the Australian way. And give us a chance to throw our barbs, have our say, and then move on. We're a great code for that. We'll throw our arms around him now for the next 10 weeks. The Collingwood Football Club will be awesome. You can write that down now for the next 10 weeks. And I think when you hear Nathan Buckley talk with yourself during the week, Jared, you can't help but think, this is about the person now. This is about family. And I, and I think that'll be fine. We do, we do have to take a stance, clearly. I mean, we... The integrity of the code. I've heard Eddie Maguire come out and talk about. It's 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 a funny situation at the moment. Do 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 we need to make changes to the code? And, and I don't I don't know where I sit with that. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. But I think that we need to. Maybe again we need to hear from the powers to be that do they think it's how serious a problem do they think it is? Because I'm I'm sort of thinking how many. But like we've talked to Purdy. How many players actually gamble in your group? Like is it. Is it 20? Is it 30? Is it everyone? Is it five? Is it how many of those are at risk? I, I, I don't know what the answers are. We're, we're, we're sort of flying blind a little bit here. I don't reckon they'd know, Kingy. Uh, you know, if you asked, I'm not sure there's a coach in the competition that would know if you asked them that question, how many of your group gambles? How often do they gamble? Is it, a, is it an issue? Because it's as how, a teammate... But how much? Oh, you know, yeah, well, that, that too. The but, conversations uh, bubble away. Oh, okay, there's, but they I would do. say the majority do. But then we've got no idea to what degree... Exactly. So I reckon, I reckon you can tell the heavy gamblers. I, I, but I think, aren't we mashing a few... See, I, I didn't quite understand where Eddie was coming from because it felt like we mashed a whole lot of things together. So um, the gambling on sport by players is problematic if they become problem gamblers. The betting on footy is straight out against the most simple rule of all. And then the risk to the integrity of the game which I, I just couldn't quite work out what the amnesty was for. So is Eddie saying that there's a group of players who are at risk of underworld figures because they are betting on footy or have bet on footy? That's the only amnesty. It's not an amnesty as to whether you're a 
problem gambler on the horses is it's only an amnesty is if you are breaking the most fundamental rule of the game, which is you can't bet in any form on footy if you play the game. But that, it was I just didn't yeah. understand what the concept of that amnesty was. No, and, and neither did I. And I thought, oh, that's a that's a, a another another option, another another idea. I love lateral ideas, but you need to know more about them. Why why is it going down this path? Well, why, why is it he yeah. saying this? So does he know that there's a problem that the rest of us are oblivious to? And if there was an amnesty, people would come forward and provide the full picture. Well, what if seven hundred come forward, Jared? Well, then the then we're the Tour de France yeah, in so its worst years. So where to then? So that, that, that's not a real picture of what... What if 100 come forward? I mean, what's too many? How many flies is too many, as Bart would yeah. say? I mean, how many players can come forward before you say, hey, whoa, hang on? Do, we, do, do you just have to go the other way? You can't have an amnesty, in my view, but you can have a, a, just a complete reset. No one in the, in the code, at any level, with any AFL accreditation, media included, anyone, anyone who walks in that gate on the, the AFL dime, cannot bet on footy. And I I think that's a logical starting point. As much as I love it, as much as the next person, um, I think that's the only starting point from here. I don't know. I don't know how else you... I don't think we can just roll on. Yeah. Although the the players know they can't bet. No, it's a player thing. I get that. But but we probably have to have an action, don't we? Or, or Or is what we've seen during the week enough? So I think that the laying down of the precedent that if you're caught gambling on something that you've got influence over, you get a year, and then we work we work the specifics of the case from there. I think it's a really useful precedent. That's why the, the, the laying down of 22 is the starting point, and then adjust it to the circumstances. Oh. That serves the game well. So if you other get codes, nailed... Other codes don't agree with that, Jared. No, no, and that's fine. They, you ask a basketballer about point shaving, yep. and they will say, never play again. Yeah, yeah, yep. And, and if you if you... If you're able to manipulate a losing margin or a winning margin in football, which I, I you know, if you're a full forward, there's a, you could mount a case you could do that. You know, conversion, you know, keep, keeping the ball backwards with a minute, with two minutes to go, a minute to go, rather than having the shot. Yeah, but you know, you can manage that. It would be, don't we think? So this is where the specifics of the case against the generics. So don't we think if there was a footballer who bet on a game and you could tell that the game had been manipulated, don't we think they would get life? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. So, so I think that no, marries up with the basketball side of things. But try explaining that to a basketballer. Try explaining the fact that we've ultimately given Jaden 10 weeks mm. for something he could have influenced. We don't know yep. what the actual specifics of the bet are. We don't know. Yeah, but that, Today that investigation was done, and you know, I, 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 pr- I would prefer that. that we had a greater level of detail. But yeah. There should be a greater level of transparency. We should know, uh, and I've asked the AFL repeatedly during the week to provide this information that is not forthcoming, is we should know whether Stevenson had the bet for three or more goals in the St Kilda game because mm. the torpedo in the dying minutes with the game won from outside 65 looks like a glorious lark. It doesn't look like a glorious lark if that's the leg of his multi in that game. I think that de- level of detail should be provided and that's, so that we can judge it for ourselves. That's what other codes are looking at. You. Yeah, yeah. But so beyond, beyond that, I think we have to trust that the investigation was done it, and declined that he and, and decided that he didn't manipulate anything to marry up with those bets. Mm, no, I, I and if trust he had the done, investigation. He, he would I'm never not, play not, again. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm not sliding away from that. I, I just think it's so much easier if it's just black and white. No betting. There's, there's no, there's, there's no grey area. 
None. And, and I think we'll get there, to be honest. And I think it'll come in the next six months. Yep. Yep. The, the next action will be a really interesting action. Even Gil did say something when the dust settled, there would be a, a clearer framework around penalty, which did seem to indicate a bit of forecasting, right, this... This is what it will look like. So we don't just have one case study that was a convenient outcome. This is the framework for future penalty. And I think you'd start with a full clean slate, Jared. so we just work from there forward. Oh, that, that's my thoughts. I mean, I, I don't know about amnesty. I don't know what that solves. Mm. All right, let's delve back to last night. The co-captain of the Swans is with us, Josh Kennedy. Welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Give us a snapshot of the recent week. So four wins out of six. You played in some. You've watched others. You'd have a pretty good perception of what's happened within the club and out on the field, both by being there and by watching. From one and six to four and six with a really close run game against Collingwood, more than credible against Geelong. What, 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 do, you, um, what do you sum up has happened over the past six weeks? Uh, oh, I think it's just um, a lot of things coming together that, that uh, probably took a little bit more time than what we anticipated early. Uh, certainly our, our effort um, and intensity around the, around the contest was, was pretty ordinary um, early on, or round one especially, and I think we were able to amend that. And then uh, in recent weeks, I think the way we are able to move the ball and um, uh, be really effective going inside 50 is something that's, that's uh, been really pleasing too. And the development of your younger players who we, we had seen and, and have almost before our eyes across that period um, become uh, or close to the players that we forecast they're going to be. Have you seen that? Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, you know, that's been the highlight definitely so far to see the guys um, being able to play consistently uh, over the last, I guess, six weeks um, and really step up step up to the, the different challenges that have been thrown their way. I think uh, you know, earlier in the year when we when we played North Melbourne, that was obviously one that I was I was watching from the sideline. I think we were the, the youngest team in the competition that that weekend, and and uh, last night again we were we, we were pretty close to it um, as well against a, a pretty uh, experienced Hawthorne side. So um, yeah, it's been really pleasing to see how how they've been able to step up to that those challenges and and play really good quality football. How different is the team for you, Josh, to the one that you've, you've played with for so long? Yeah, I was asked a uh, question last night after the game. It, it's uh, it, as, as many of you guys have know that, that, have, that have played, it happens pretty quickly. You sort of, um, I reckon I noticed it a few weeks ago just on the bus uh, and an interstate trip and, and everyone generally sits in the, in the same seats or they have for so long and you're used to seeing the same faces in the same spots and, uh, you sort of look around and around now, and, and you realise that um, you know you're either one of the the oldest or at least one of the oldest players sitting on the bus. So it happens pretty quick, um, but it's it's exciting, uh, and it's it is, it is it's a different feel, um, but it's a good one. Josh, uh, I must marvel at what this football club's able to do, and, and you guys invited me up there for a day or two to follow John around and talk about where to for the Sydney Swans. We hadn't had that luxury for quite some time, which basically meant there was some youth about to come into this team because he's not inviting us up there when you're winning flags, so we, we know that. But was lucky to have a look at your facilities. Now, I know there's, there's going to be a whole heap of change over the next 12 or 18 months uh, with the new facility being built, but you've had to put up with quite a bit over the years. It's not, 
it's not as it's not all beer and skittles up there, is it, with your facilities as such? I think they're they're, they're in the bottom <laughs> bracket of the league, aren't they? They are. They're not. They're not the greatest going around. That's for sure. I think. Um, but I think you know, there's a lot of clubs that have had to, had to deal with that over the time. And and as you said, we are in the process of. Um, well, they haven't started yet, but hopefully they can start soon. Building building a new new facility down the road, which will be good. But uh, yeah, at the moment, I mean, especially at the, these days with social media, and and uh, you, you do get to see uh, what a lot of the other clubs are, are running with, and and. Um, yeah, as are a little bit behind at the moment. That's for sure. But that's you think? that's just how it's how it's been. And uh, yeah, I think there is a, there's certainly a lot of excitement building around around the new facility down the road, and uh, can't wait to get there. I think the coach is is pretty keen to see some new facilities built. Did you throw your arms around him last night and say, "Look, this is pretty special, coach. This is be worth hanging around for a while up here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, mate. Uh, I know I know you're doing your best to get him down to the kangaroos but uh, we'll be we'll be uh, hopefully he's uh, he's seen the light up here and, and can stick around because yeah, it is it is a lot of excitement um, building and we've still got a lot of work to do at the back end of the year I mean we're we're uh, you know we're certainly not happy with the first half of the year and, and how that panned out but yeah we are playing good good footy over the last six weeks and hopefully we can maintain that for the back end of the year and, and who knows what could happen from then Josh, Bob here. Congratulations on last night's win. We were just chatting earlier about some of your, you know, your exciting young players. But we were spending a couple of minutes on on Nick Blakey. You you see him up close and every day. What do you think his potential is? How good a player could he be in the competition in the next few years? Oh, I think uh, my perception would be the same same as uh, as you guys and everyone everyone watching um, with you know the way that. Uh, he's only 18 and been able to come in and, and um, have the impact that he's been able to have and, and step up in big moments. There's teams that have tried to intimidate him physically, uh, given his, his uh, wider stature as a key forward, but he's always, he's always been able to stand up and, and give a bit back in that regard. Uh, he's certainly got a little bit of white line fever, young Nick, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, he's, a, he's going to be a great player, I think. Josh, funny old year, King Elgo. Uh, For Dane Rampey, uh, again last night, he he had another moment, three-quarter time. Gunston's had a freak (laughs) shot at goal, and he's he's basically given up. And now he's been accused of not knowing the rules. Is is that too harsh, or is that a fair criticism, considering the year and the moments that he's had this year? I think it's a... which what criticism that he gave up or that he well the, the, the criti- well the criticism is that uh, he didn't realise that you know why, why he could have touched the ball if he didn't touch it then even though the siren's gone it can still bounce through and be counted as a goal that that's what it looked like I'm sure he is aware of that but do you think yeah, the criticism yeah. around the moments he's had has been fair? I think the criticism has been fair around around moments. Uh, I think he'd be. The first one to sort of admit that, uh, but um, look, yeah, it was, it was one of those things. He was, he was, couldn't believe it after the game. He was filthy with himself. Uh, but on the flip side, I mean, again, I, and I think Horst has, has mentioned it. What he, what he does, ninety nine percent of the time, and what he's been able to do, uh, you know, a few contests last night. Um, 
there was a tackle on, on I think, Puyopola and a contest on the on the back flank where he was 2v1 and was able to win. I mean, all that sort of stuff is, is mm. you know, I guess wise captain of our footy club and, and as unfortunate as these moments have been this year, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's such a small uh, aspect of, of, of who he is and I'm sure that... Uh, He'd be thinking about it more more than anyone. Hopefully, there's no more the, for the rest of the year. And I guess the the biggest disappointment last night was the injury to Buddy and the 300th being put on hold. He did spend eight minutes on the bench. You couldn't get him off. Now you realise what it's like as a player. At times, you just get swept up in the game. There's no runners. You got to look to the bench to come off. What's the protocol with interchange at your club? Yeah, it was, it's, it's really difficult. Um, even if there was a runner, I think, uh, and it was mentioned last night, the ball just being in play on the other side of the ground. And, and uh, you know, obviously we want to get the rotation um, as quick as possible, but we don't want to just come off um, at any stage of the game and, and leave them with the uh, one extra on, on the ground when the when the ball's in, in play and... and uh, um, allow their, their, their play to get, get damaging. Uh, so it is a tough one and it does happen time to time. It was it was probably magnified last night because it was Buddy um, and of course of course the injury but uh, yeah it is it is difficult when you when you can't get the runner out there um, and it's it's a ball's on the other side of the ground and, and, and in play without any any stop stop uh, like goals or, or set shots. How disappointing is it, Josh, that he won't play his 300th next week? Really, really disappointing. Uh, I think, you know, everyone at the moment, the, 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 certainly Buzz is back around the SCG and we're, we're playing a lot better, better football than what we were earlier in the year. And um, everyone was pretty excited to see him come out for his, for his 300th. And, uh, yeah, we just have to put it on hold for a few weeks now. Hopefully hopefully not too long. Um, it was good to see him sort of run off even when he did it he was able to sort of run off um, pretty comfortably so hopefully it's it's minor and and we can see him back out there sooner rather than later. Fingers crossed for that good on you Josh, thanks for joining us No worries guys, thanks for having me Josh Kennedy, the co-captain of the Swans with us on Crunch Time the 40 Swinks serious about sleep ladder update, save up to 50% at the 40 Winks stock take sale so the Swans have moved to 14th, they're 5-8 and eight. they're 92.2, they still sit behind the Hawks but we've had that conversation as their 5-8 and eight looks better than Hawthorne's 5-8, and eight. they are 12th 97.3 and Essendon are 6-7 and seven, having lost on Thursday night, they're one hundred. Uh, save up to 50% at the 40 Winks stock take sale. Kane, we will uh, we'll touch base with you again next week on Crunch See you next week. Good on you guys. Kane Corns with us. Uh, David King, Bob Murphy, there's still so much to work through on the other side of the break. The quickest way to leave the MCG Scooty, your two-wheeled taxi. Download the app today. The award-winning Crunch Time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. West Coast and Sydney, the winners so far in round 14. Next to go, Melbourne and Fremantle at the MCG, where it is brisk but blue overhead cloud 
breaking up and Fremantle get a chance to really push their cause as a finalist. And Melbourne, after the review, after the action that's taken place during the bye, we get our first look at the Demons in some sort of new guise. There's no late change to either side, Melbourne and Fremantle. A lot to work through from the week in footy. Jared Waitley, David King and Bob Murphy with you on Crunch Time. So this is the crunch for Scooty. Make your trip exciting. Scooty, two-wheeled taxis. Should Jeremy McGovern have been suspended for the week for the incident that saw Guelphie into the fence, into the taxi and into the hospital? Uh, I'm a yes. I'm a yes. Uh, these players, they know they know the nuances of every move they make. They know what's likely to happen. They open up space themselves. They grab the opposition arms or hands, you know, their wrists and just distort their movement. They shove them out of the way, take intercept marks. I think he knew that he was coming really close to the boundary line, therefore the fence. Um, I think he he gave them a pretty good shove. Um, he's unlucky. He's unfortunate that it caused such injury. Um, but but I, I do think a week for that's about right. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But watching it, I, I, I was sort of, I, you know, the grimace, the face, and I'm watching it going... I'll just give him the benefit of the doubt. But there's been little moments going, so he's on notice. But I, I, w- I wouldn't suspend him. What, why are you giving what, – what is the doubt? They were, they were just out. They were just out. That he was still in that play. It wasn't that heartbeat and then uh, we're out and now I'm going. But it was <laughs> not with a heap of – confidence and conviction yeah. right there's right on that line so i think it's the right thing for the mro to do and now i presume west coast would go to the tribunal mount your best case and see if you can get it downgraded in any way um and that's i think that's probably a reasonable circumstance yeah i don't think you'll fight it yeah i do because it's a hit to nothing and i think i think there's a couple of different ways to mount the argument but i reckon from the mro's perspective it's the right um Guelphie ended up in the fence because of McGovern. Okay, so now you can explain why just, and how. I just tested the temperature of the Twitter fans during the week, Jerry. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. Just, just on the plastic oh. chairs with the security oh, that's right. on I them. Saw that. Just look at me for a sec without looking at the ground. How many plastic seats do you think are on the ground at the moment? Eight. Oh, don't look, don't look. I saw your eyes. How many? Uh, six. Close to twenty. <whistles> and 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 it's too many. It really is too many. I mean, you know, you, you can you can say what you like about safety, but they, they are a hazard. They are a hazard. And players are coming at speed when they're getting to that area of the ground. You and you go, you, you change from that grass. That's which little, one? That's a little... No, that's, that's a deck a chair. Not, no, deck chair. You, you go, <laughs> no, it's OK. I just want yeah, to get no, that. And there's three deck chairs as well. <laughs> so... <laughs> And there's the, then there's the TV equipment, Jared. There's another half a dozen there for the for the guys that do the boundary riding and, and the staff associated with that. It is something we need to clean up. And I know it's not priority one. I get that. But one one injury is too many injuries with this sort of thing. I, I, I don't know if we absolutely... Everyone says to me that there's there's two contributors. We need visual security to be... You know, so that everyone's got this as a deterrent. So no one's going to run on the ground. I don't think running on the ground is a major concern for our code at the moment clearly they say one's too many i get all that if the security were first row behind the gates and could can, and ready to jump and spring to action 
it'd nearly be as quick as them jumping out of a chair, to be perfectly honest. Would they wear a bib in that scenario? They would wear a blue bib with behavioural awareness officer written on it, Jared. <laughs> but I, I just, I'd look around, I'm, I was surprised how many chairs are involved uh, of, and how many times we see them being moved for set shots. I mean, they, they're, just, they're just in the way. Okay. There's a rabbit hole there for us, which we'll go down in a minute. Um, Essendon, though, did we learn what, what did we learn on Thursday night? I look, I've been sticking up for them for a while, yeah. Jared. I think that the, their their backline they, they they put them under enormous stress. They they were very good again. And I know people will say that that's not right. There's a lot of shots at goal, but where they gave up the shots, if you can draw a 45 degree angles and call the corridor from those goalposts, they gave up two goals, one. 0 to 40 metres in the absolute corridor inside the forward 50. Two goals won. That's a great effort as a back line. If you can force them wide to have low percentage shots, which they missed, um, and, and the expected scoring has, has them winning by 11 goals. Mm. So it's a, it's a heavy loss. Good team. West Coast Eagles are a very good team. Um, playing them away, you know, away from home. There are mitigating circumstances, but... That they underperform as a midfield and as a, the forward line's a mess. Yeah. So, underperformed, no damage done. See you next Thursday night in a game that really matters against the Giants mm. in Melbourne. And they beat the Giants last year when they were just going. Yeah. When they turned the corner. The round one game sort of looms yeah, it does. over all of this, But let's it? find it's out where really they're at. Night. Put all your chips in next Thursday night. Um, you know, we can't keep talking about Danaher not being there because a lot of clubs are missing key components to their... 22 at the moment, so yeah, that's John Worsfold's challenge. And the heat's on coaches at the moment. There's, there's a penchant to, to go after the coach every time they have they have a loss. The premier, the premiership team, will lose half a dozen games for the year. Generally, I mean, the Geelong are on one loss at the moment. It's an extraordinary performance, but normally they lose five to six games for the year. So let's let's just tone the anger a fraction. Where did we land with crowds and security and leadership <laughs> and? We haven't yelling at each other. <laughs> have we landed anywhere? Now, there's some really good writing in today's papers around it, but that much I'll say. I'm, I'm not quite sure where we are. Maybe we'll need a couple of games to be played to understand that. There seems to be a lot of good conversations. The, the conversations are good. but then, and, and, and some really bad conversations, yeah, well, if I might add. Yeah, no, that's true. But the, the, well, the ones I'm having with people about it, I was, okay, I think we can find our way through it of the let's get rid of the extremes at either end, um, whether we can actually navigate our way through it we'll see now this is where the match committee comes in Jared you get lateral conversation yeah right? so we've got we've got guys walking up and down the aisle that could rip you within one inch of your life if you had grandmas walking up and down the aisle and what you were saying didn't pass the nana test that's the ultimate we've got we've got people that are not qualified Jared if you're going to shout something at the footy, that's where the security kicks in. We need the older people to take control of the younger people again. I, I love I love the way we've handled this. I really do. I think this has been perfect for crowd behaviour. I think that if, if you know now that you're on watch, we're not going to be walking up and down the aisles three times a quarter. We're not going to be intimidating. We're not going to be this. But that's where we had to start. I've got, I've got no problem with our overcorrection. But now it's back in the hands of the fans. Come and be reasonable at the football. If what you're going to yell doesn't pass the nana test, don't yell it. If it's going to upset the kids or the family next to you, don't yell it. I think that's that's now become more evident than it was at round one, start this year. But 
come and have a good time. Come and cheer your hardest. Come and get your team over the line. If you're not happy with the decision, let them know. But let them know in the right manner. Don't go charging to the to the to the races or the benches to to send them off at half time or send them off at the post match. That's just unacceptable. That's not us. But outside of that, go your hardest. It's great. It's part of our game. It's why it's why people come of a weekend to re, to just release those tensions of their Monday to Friday. It's what it's all about. It's been that way for a hundred years. But you know, we had an overcorrection, and and I reckon it's, it's perfect. It'll sort itself out over the next couple of weeks. Should Jeff Kennedy be facing official sanction for not distinguishing himself terribly? I, I think so. I think we, we call these things um, at other times. So, Jeff, particularly because of Jeff's experience and the fact that he's a president, yeah, I think so. What would represent proper sanction? Oh, oh John, I mean, I'm not too sure. What, what what's, would it be? I mean, a fine doesn't seem... I'm, I'm not. I'm not too sure what that would be, but I, I think just something more official. That would be my. I'd be happy with that. If the AFL said we've warned Jeff, right, what that means, you can you can decipher for yourself. We've had a stern conversation with Jeff, and we've warned him these sorts of comments are not to happen again. That would be enough. I mean, Jeff's done so many good things for our game. We don't need to be bashing Jeff. Mm. You know, and we're, we're all mature enough to say it was messy the way he, he, he verbaled what he wanted to say. And he, and he, but I don't think where it ended up was how it was, how it was meant to be portrayed. So I'll cut him that, that slack. But, yeah, give him a warning. Give him a little slap. There's no need for any sanctions, really. No. Let, us, let us know that he's been tapped on the wrist. That's all. Yeah. That's, that's a sanction, though, isn't it? Like that's, Just let that's, us know. Yeah. No, no fine. Or... No, no, no. That's not, it's, not, it's not that, but it's something. Mm. Alright, so more of the crunch coming up after the break. The topics of the week. There's a couple of players who have found themselves in trade discussions. Paddy Ryder dropped from Port Adelaide's team. Narrowly Meadows reporting last night around Bradley Hill, who might request for the second year in a row to try to get back to Hawthorne from Fremantle. We're going to see him in action at the G tonight. The quickest way to leave the G, Scooty, your two-wheel taxi. Download the app today. And you can go behind the scenes with Damian Barrett in his new podcast, In the Game, every Thursday. On 11 16 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. There's been so many talking points throughout this week and across this weekend. They are bound to build. Jared Waitley, Bob Murphy and David King with you. Two players who are freshly linked with the trading scene. As Paddy Wright has been dropped from Port Adelaide's team tonight, Kane Corns was really strong during the week that he thinks the relationship is breaking down and he doesn't expect him to be at the power next year. Sort of one of those ones that crept up, I think. And now here it is. Is Paddy Ryder superfluous to needs long term at Port? Uh, there's that conversation. But listening to Ken Hinckley about how emphatic he was about him being there next year, and the just the language he used around how much they love Paddy and he'll be here, and it was all just sort of dismissed. So um, I, I kind of I'm in that camp of I, I, you know Ken doesn't always talk like that about his players, and I, th- I thought oh, that's good enough for me. I think he'll be there. It was one of those ones, Jared, that maybe maybe we've been hanging around some people that can tell some furfies for too long. It was one of those ones that smelled to me like Port Adelaide half sort of said, let's let's get some 
Let's get some something bubbling here. And we'll, then we'll come out and support him. No, he's one of us. So let's just put a little bit of pressure on because this season's meandered a little bit. Both their ruckmen haven't been what they were supposed to be this year. They were supposed to have the best ruck combo in the comp. Lysette and Ryder. You know, if you're going to go in with two men against against the Gorn or against the Grundy, they're the two you're picking. Lysette's done it before. Did it through a final series last year. So they were supposed to be a major driver of this season. I don't think he's going anywhere, but I think that they're challenging him to deliver more. And if more doesn't come, then the conversation can trend that way in the back half of the year. I don't think they're there right now, yeah. but it can trend that way. They're looking for a response. So I, th- I think sometimes sometimes things just find their way into the media, Jared. At the right time. Mm. Bradley Hill. So narrowly, um, Meadows gave this airing an airing last night on, on yep. Fox's footy coverage that he'd already sought to go back to Hawthorne at the end of last year and that he probably would seek to do so again. He's contracted until the end of 2021. I'm sure that's what she said. Yep. And he's having a phenomenal season. Oh, he's been awesome. Um, He's the gut runner of the competition this year and he's been critical to their victories and they use him as often as they can, particularly in final quarters. Stephen Hill as well. He's up as a free agent, narrowly said last night. So both Hill brothers could be out of the place. I'm not sure why he'd be leaving Freo. They're, they're just starting to really ramp up and charge into a final series. So he'll be the, he'll be nicknamed the heartbreaker if he leaves Bradley Hill because the Hawks were devastated when he left. And then if, if he left free out at the end of this year, they would be shattered. To go back to Hawthorne was the, was the report, Jared. So, gee, Clarkson has a pull on these boys. He, he really does. So I, I think it, uh, I think it, it's just going to make it hard for them to keep him. That's what I think. I think they'll both stay but they want to get full toed odds. And that's the modern landscape we live in. We're, we're up and we're available. They're savvy, these players. <laughs> they are. But Brad, Brad's under under contract, as you say, so it's a bit more difficult for him. If they want him, he stays. I mean, there's, there's no other option, really. Um, they won't be trading him, I wouldn't have thought. Not easily. So he was he was in contract at Hawthorne, wasn't he? And they get The go-home factor, I think, is one you can sell to your club, but to leave to go away from home back to your old club... Is a difference. So it, it, it's the home, factor. <laughs> home for Brad is Victoria, isn't it? it it's his West pa- Australia is partner it? who. No, he's a West Australian, so and his partner's Victorian. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's where Dermot said, "Who's wearing the pants in that family?" Right, right. Yes. <laughs> Which was up there with um, Jason's <laughs> Dane Rampey's a bit of a space cadet. Ninety-nine <laughs> percent star, one percent space cadet. Uh, Stephen Canelio <laughs> got a got a read. I don't think he's going anywhere. He's going to be captain next year. I don't think he's he's he's, he's looking to leave. They they service his needs, you know, really well. He'll be well looked after, be well paid. I'm not sure he'll be leaving, Bob. I mean, it takes no. sums. I mean, they've all knocked back big offers, haven't they? Gaff, Degoe, Martin, Kelly. Yeah, I, I, I he feels he feels like the heart and soul of. But, you know, the Giants, that really inner thing. He and Cal Ward and Phil Davis, of it's built around those three. I think he'll be there. The, the AFL, and it's not that this is the AFL's doing all the time, but they can't afford for him to leave. We, 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 we as a code, it's going to sound stupid, Jerry. It goes against all the equalisation measures. But we really can't afford for Canelio to leave GWS. Mm. He is the heart and soul of that place. And if they are to have success, he's got to be the driver of it. He really does. So if he, if he leaves there... I'd fear for how long that you know that next 
campaign to win a premiership, how far away that would be. It would set him back a couple of seasons. The St Kilda president took questions from the members on the website during the week and a member named Ben framed it rather perfectly. There is a lot of media speculation around Alan Richardson. Where does the board sit on his position going forward? And the reply was, our expectations are high and we must continue to be competitive, demonstrate improvement in team performance and development of our playing group. This is what will underpin our future success and will remain the measuring stick for everyone at our football club was gloriously and deliberately non-committal. <laughs> well said, Jared. He's doing a good job, isn't he? He's going to be the best performed sack coach we've had for a while, Jared. Oh, I, feel, I feel for him. I feel mm. that this the constant discussion. It's got to take a toll. Like, how do you, how do you just move past that every week? When you must, I mean, I spoke to him on Monday and he must feel like he's doing a great job to have them six and six with all that they've faced. He's won the two games they had to win. I mean, we, we put the acid on him. You've, you've got to be beating Carlton. You've got to be beating the Suns. Now, they weren't convincing in either of those games. They played nervous. They played tight. But they got those, box, those boxes ticked. He maybe has to have a, an upset win along the way home. It, it is a big day for him today. Now, Brisbane... At Marvel, 50-50 game. If he, if he can just keep finding a way. As soon as he has a couple of losses in a row, you almost feel like they're going to come out and say, OK, we're moving on. We've decided that we're going to have a mid-year review and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know if he can coach well under those circumstances. He is. I, I don't know how he's doing it. Hmm. Do you agree, Bob? <laughs> well, when we consider the what, what we were... What a lot of people were forecasting for the Saints this season with the the injuries and the toll. And <laughs> the fact they're six and six is is quite incredible. And we and we talked about it last week. If they you know they had to beat the Suns up there, but then I mean the game was a, it was a, it was an ordinary game. It was really and but they did they got the win. But there was still that there was still the talk around. Oh, it wasn't you know it wasn't a, it wasn't the big tick that. Maybe we forecast it. What, 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 let's just say worst-case scenario, that they're, they're looking past him, OK? Regardless of what he does, they've made a five-year decision. He's had his time. We're moving past him. I'll tell you what, you'd want to get that next guy right because because the one you've got is, is doing a pretty good job in trying circumstances. If you tip him out and bring someone in that fails, well, you've got to walk with him. You got If you're going to attach yourself to this decision... You've got to walk with him. So whoever that next guy is, gee, I hope he's, I hope he's a marvel. Don't forget to grab your AFL record this weekend when you come to the footy. Still just $5 thanks to Karcher, the official 2019 partner of the AFL records. Ash Brown has bravely done his top 25. Oof. These are great conversation starters. I admire anybody who does these. Um, just give me a top three. So Ash has gone Patrick Cripps, Nat Fife, Paddy Dangerfield. And then from there he's gone... Lockie Neal at four, Brody Grundy five, Tim Kelly six. Probably the notables are a little lower down as Gary Ablett returns to a prominent position at 15, Jeremy Cameron 16, Max Gorn is 19, Michael Walters is 22. What? And Andrew Gaff is 25. So rather than critiquing Ash's list, give me yes. your top three. <laughs> well, we should be just critiquing Ash's. He was, he, he this was, is not how we do it, Jared. <laughs> he was dumb and brave enough to put it out there. Which, that should be the it's fun. Not full with has has have, Ash made a hash of his top 25? <laughs> I've gone Cripps 1, Canelio 2, and Grundy 3. 
Wow. And wait for the height. <laughs> no, I think I think I've got Cripps one. I've got Walters at two. Walters at two. He's been enormous, mate. And and oh, I just said Walters could, at two. I just yes. What you yeah, and I just said he's been enormous, mate. Don't make don't make <laughs> me, mate. I guess I don't like lists. You're on the back. <laughs> like, well done, Ash. You've taken us all down. <laughs> um, at three, I had Lockie Neal because what he's been able to do to the Lions, you know, I think it's easy to come into a good side. And, and compliment what they're doing, but he's he's changed the lines, so I've got him at three. Yourself, Jerry? Uh, I've gone. Don't be Geelong centric. No, I've gone Cripps, Grundy, Walters. Cripps, Grundy, Walters. Yeah, I, I have to have Walters in my three. Yeah, when you win games, some of his games. I mean, you have a look at his last three weeks: twenty-five possessions, six goals. That's a good. Day. Twenty-four and two goals. Twenty-four and two goals against Brisbane, including the point after the siren, the goal after the siren against the Pies. He's legitimately standing up in huge mm. moments, like no other player has been asked to this year. Yeah, four, five, six, obviously at Kelly Dangerfield and Ablett, but that just goes without saying, doesn't it? I promise you, Ash, <laughs> if you do this list again, you've been warned. We're just coming after you next time. <laughs> David King, Bob Murphy, terrific, well done. That's crunch time for today. The MCG is bathed in winter sunshine. It's the AFL Nation call coming up. Melbourne and Fremantle taking the reins will be Peter Donegan, Stephen Quartermain, Bob's on duty and Danny Frawley as well. Enjoy the afternoon of footy. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.